Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Brawn Body Health and Fitness Podcast. I'm so glad that you're joining us today. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Sierra Baines for the second time this year. That makes me a very lucky guy. I really like working with Sierra and I respect her and everything that she stands for a lot. Today, we're diving into Sierra's personal health journey. And this is something that I've been fortunate enough to be kind of talking with Sierra and involved with her pretty much every step of the way throughout this journey. And unfortunately, I've had to scale back this podcast quite a bit in order to make sure that it gets published and stays published due to the nature of the stuff that we're talking about. I highly recommend that you give this a listen with a open mind and highly recommend that you check out some of the awesome stuff that we've linked to below. Before we get to this amazing podcast, though, here's a quick word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by CTM Band and CTM Recovery Products. These are the exact soft tissue recovery tools that I'm using on myself and with my patients day in and day out. CTM Band was founded by Dr. Kyle Bowling, a sports medicine practitioner who treats professional athletes, and he was a former guest on the Brawn Body Health and Fitness Podcast. You can check out his website at the link below and use the coupon code BRAWN10 to save 10% off your order from CTM Band. Sierra, welcome to the show. Excited to have you on. Thank you. Excited to be here. So I know you've been on quite the uh, health journey, we'll call it, over the past year. And you and I have talked at length about pretty much every step of that journey. But for people who weren't part of our, you know, hour-long FaceTimes and phone calls that we've had throughout 2021, how did your, uh, I'm going to keep referring to it as your health journey. How did that start out? What happened? I think uh, I think health journey is a great great phrase for it. Thank you, and I'm I'm grateful to you uh, truly for you know kind of being an ear all year. This has been challenging, and your listeners will kind of get a an idea as to why here in a minute. But um, my uh, little background to me, I think, would be appropriate to explain kind of how this health journey was so drastic. Was I'm a, like you, a third year PT student, um, pretty health conscious. You know, we have backgrounds and fitness, nutrition, um, I'm competing in bodybuilding competitions. So most of my, you know, day-to-day, like, you know, nutrition aspects of movement, it's all, it's all pretty, um, streamlined. Like everything I do is, is for a purpose. So when something goes wrong in, in my body, I kind of know right away. Um, this dates back to January, February of this year, 2021, but uh, seemingly healthy human. Um, I was getting ready to go into a prep for a bodybuilding competition, which is where you, um, you know, cut down for a show. And so, you know, my sleep was tracked, my food was tracked, um, all my training was tracked. And out of nowhere, one day, um, I started having weird, like numbness and tingling. And, um, I, it was a winter in the Midwest. So I literally thought the first day it happened, I was like, Oh, I'm just cold. Like my quad won't wake up. Like I'm just cold. Um, numbness and tingling continued throughout. It was February when I first noticed February 10th, um, that I noticed the numbness and tingling happened for a couple of weeks. It got progressively worse on the right side of my body started in like my 
uh, right quad kind of went down into my whole right leg numbness tingling I started getting uh, like nerve pain which is an odd sensation if you've never had it before but it feels like an electric shock kind of um, it traveled up my back into my arm all right-sided um, until a couple weeks later I was experiencing like bright red blood in my urine not super fun not an awesome topic but I was like just bleeding kind of nowhere out of nowhere it's like weird you know not, not something I usually experience, shouldn't have a UTI. So I go into see my primary. I was like, listen, I'm a healthy person. I'm having all this weird pain, numbness, tingling, blood, headaches. Like these aren't usual for me. What's going on? We run a gamut of tests, um, renal ultrasound, all my blood work, everything's normal. Um, my white blood cells a little elevated, but other than that, I'm fine. And I get sent in for an MRI of my brain. And so get the MRI done results come back the next day. And I had another bleeding episode and, uh, my doc calls me in and she goes, Hey, uh, I haven't seen anybody for this in a few years, but, um, looks like you have MS multiple sclerosis. And as a very seemingly healthy human, it was like a truck hit me. Like I, we study progressive neurological disorders and I was just told I have MS based on the way these lesions presented in my brain. What caused all of this? It just kind of up and happened one day randomly. Yeah, it did happen one day randomly. So, um, like I said, it was February 10th. I I'll kind of run through the game. Uh, well, I guess we'll get to the punchline February 9th was the day I received my second dose of my COVID vaccine. February 10th was the day I first started experiencing numbness and tingling. Now within all this testing for the MS stuff, I mentioned it as like, hey, you know, I don't know if there's any correlation here, but this is just a weird timeline of events. Is there any correlation? No, 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 there's no way. Well, I run through and I have this um, on my social media pages, uh, kind of the gamut of tests that I went through. I went through hell for about two months of just, all sorts of testing, nerve EMGs. Um, I had a, a spinal tap done, like a lumbar puncture. Um, I had spinal headaches as a result of that. I've had back pain ever since. It did not go well. <laughs> um, but I had all these tests done. I had blood pressure changes. Again, things that should not be, were never normal in my life. Um, continued nerve pain, numbness, tingling, that all the tests that they did to rule out other causes came back negative. So once um this happened through kind of the beginning of april of 2021 and i was told hey guess what you actually don't have ms which was awesome i was over the moon about that i thought for about six weeks i did have it um but i i kind of fought and was like listen you need to do x y and z to prove i have ms there's no way this is ms so finally like, you know, undiagnosed myself with MS. And I went to see, I saw a total of three neurologists over the course of my care. By the time I got to um, my second opinion, the first time in a different state, um, she was able to walk me through why I didn't have MS. And she was the first person to tell me that she was actually doing studies. And this happens with flu shots all the time um, on reactions to the COVID vaccine looking like they present as MS. And so this was the first time I had heard of this being a, a real concern was in April of 2021. And that's where we kind of began the journey where I am today. 
Right. So it took multiple neurologists and not just any neurologist, but some of the best in the country who were at teaching hospitals and have more credentials than I can even, you know, recognize really yeah. uh, multiple neurologists, every single test you can think of pretty much from the lumbar tap to the nerve uh, conduction velocity studies, which for those who aren't familiar with those or who haven't had one done before, they are loads of fun. They involve needles being stuck in your nerves and uh, your muscles end up twitching at random uh, velocities and such because we're <laughs> trying to test the ability of that nerve to con con uh, conduct a uh, electrical impulse. Uh, you mentioned ultrasound, you mentioned blood work, you mentioned all kinds of different things. And, you know, none of that is ever fun and none of it is ever cheap. Uh, so that was certainly an undue burden for you to go through. And no it led to what you said, multiple misdiagnoses. And to this day, I believe you're still kind of searching for an exact term slash diagnosis to give this, correct? Um, correct. Uh, in my medical record, it is listed as anecdotal. I could be, um, this reaction happened very early on in, I mean, we're medical providers, so we had access to it right away. And at the time that was something I wanted to do. Hey, this, you know, I'm working with patients and based on what I know right now, I want to get this, um, because it seemed, uh, <laughs> like the right thing to do, which I don't think anything medical should ever have any sort of morality tied to it, but that's, that's just my opinion. Um, vaccine injury is actually the term that's used to, or in the community of people who are vaccine injured and we'll kind of get into it, but the number is much higher than people realize. And, and I'm, you know, coming on here today is mostly just to kind of open people's eyes up to I don't think people are exposed to it at all. They don't, you know, unless it happens to you or someone, you know, they don't know. And so I'm here to be that somebody for somebody to know if, uh, if they haven't heard it yet. No, definitely. And we really appreciate that from you because one, it's never easy going public with something like this. And two, uh, I've, we've talked at length before the Hippocratic oath, right? Every medical provider takes the Hippocratic oath before they begin practicing. And one of the big things in that is do no harm, first rule of medicine. And it really rubs us the wrong way, so to speak, when people are being harmed by something that is being heavily pressured upon them. Uh, and in your case, the symptoms that you were noting have continued up until recently. And I believe you still have kind of episodes of them even now. Is that correct? That is correct. I would say yeah, um, so there are several categories of symptoms that I have found across the, you know, the U.S., the globe, where there's a huge communities of people just trying to get answers because your traditional doc doesn't, a lot of doctors aren't really giving answers for this. Um, you have to find uh, some really awesome people that are willing to kind of step outside of, you know, whatever the narrative is right now to uh, treat us. Um, but typically around the six month mark post second dose, you feel a little bit better. I would say my nerve pain, numbness, tingling, migraines, like vital changes, vital changes in vitals were the worst for the first six months. I still continue to have uh, head pain every day. It'll just ping. I don't know where it feels like someone's just like, Hey, up in my head, little ping of, uh, of head pain. I wouldn't call it a migraine anymore. It's just pain. Um, and I'm, I'm doing some things to kind of mitigate my symptoms. Um, uh, we can kind of get into that as well. 
Um, but I would say for me, I'm, I feel like a mild case compared to a lot of other people that have had adverse events. Like a lot of people have onset of Guillain-Barre or heart issues or, um, you know, lose complete control of a certain muscle um, and have to go into PT. And, and uh, I've actually seen patients with this where they're in PT just to get function of a muscle back. Um, it's really scary what can happen. And all of it is kind of tied into um, inflammation of either the neurological system or kind of the heart. So, And one of the big things you mentioned there, you said that you were kind of a milder case and you're back to the point now where you're able to work out and lift again, and you're kind of back on track, so to speak. But now you've got the undue burden of having some sort of headache type thing that you didn't have before. Uh, you said it's no longer migraine, so there's no aura or flashes of light or that sort of thing for those who uh, aren't familiar with migraines. But what really sticks out to me, as you said, before this happened, you were healthy, you were working out, you were active, you were exercising, you were in clinicals, you were a busy person. And this really sidelined you for a while, like this knocked you down. And you and I are similar in the sense that we're very passionate and adamant about our health and fitness. And not much knocks us down. Like I've gotten sick in the past, and I can still, you know, fight things off within, you know, less than a day. And you're the same way. So for something to knock you down for weeks and weeks, months and months, like this is significant. And it makes me wonder what would this have been like in someone who didn't have your state of health? So if there was someone with a you know pre-existing infl inflammatory marker or a chronic disease related to inflammation, such as obesity, if they had a similar reaction to you, how much worse would it have been? Would they uh, have regained function like you did, as quick as you did? Uh, and these are all, you know, hypothetical, speculative things. But you can't help but wonder if this is what it did to a healthy person. What could have been uh, if it was someone who was less than optimally healthy? Absolutely, yeah, I think it's an awesome point you bring up, and I, I have thought that before. You know, I, I did say that my, from what I've seen, my injury seems very mild comparatively to others, and could it have been worse if I wasn't in as optimal health as I was? You know, I, I, uh, I'm very, very active. Every, you know, we the things I put into my body are pretty decent for me. I, I don't drink often. Um, you know, I. I, I almost try to, to, I tend to forget, you know, kind of where I was at in that state. Cause it's still mentally hard to wrap my head around where I am now. I have, I had a friend ask not too long ago, Hey, you know, how you doing since you're, since all your symptoms, you know, a lot of people don't know how to ask me about it still. I'm, I'm right up front about it and I'll tell them, Oh, you know, I'm, I'm doing great, but uh, I'm about, you know, 90, 95% there. I haven't felt a hundred percent since that day, since the um, February 10th of this year. And so it is hard to kind of wrap your head around like, Oh, I'm, I'm still not like peak, you know, performance where I'd like to be in my, I hope I get there someday, someday soon. Um, we're coming up on, you know, 10, 11 months now. So I have hope that, um, I will get better, but yeah, a lot of people are, you know, they lose function as, you know, they can't walk and they are on medication forever, you know, as of, as of right now. So I feel grateful, but it's, this shouldn't be, if this many people are having as severe of a reaction to something, we should be asking some questions, which is exactly why we're here today. And one of the big things that you just brought up was the kind of family and society role on things. And this is not only hard on you, 
but it's hard on your family. It's hard on, in your case, your boyfriend, the friends around you. And uh, you really find out quickly who supports you and who doesn't. So was there a lot of additional strain throughout this process on your relationships? Did you lose friends, lose family member connections, or were people very supportive and trusting in you and, you know, they were with you to the end, so to speak? Yeah, I laughed because I didn't even, I didn't expect this question, but um, I'm very grateful. I've had, you know, about 80, 90% of just positive reactions um, of people being really kind to me. Um, I have had some friends, you know, fall off just based on what they believe me to be I I will say you know recently we're doing this podcast now and and I knew for months I knew as of April 2021 what happened to me and started to treat based on that but I didn't start telling close friends and family for a few months afterwards and then it started to trickle out a little bit more in, mo in more recent months but for a long time people had no idea what I was going through and why um, because I, I didn't know how to talk about it and once I started talking about it a little bit more, all of a sudden, you know, friends and family, mostly just quote unquote friends started to fall off a little bit, not many, but there are a few where I try to make the point, Hey, I'm still the same person. I was literally last week. You just now know what's going on literally inside my head. Um, as we talk right now, I'm getting some of that head pain, like on my right side, it makes it a little difficult to concentrate. So if I lose my train of thought, I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah. And that was something that really stuck out to me just because of how divided people are on this mm -hmm. topic, on this issue is it seems like we have some people who think everyone needs to get the vaccine and the booster and so on and so on, period. And then we have some people who want nothing to do with it. And when it comes to issues that fall on a spectrum right uh, like that, I find in general, just stereotyping here, the best answer tends to lie somewhere in the middle, right? It's not, no one should get it. It's not everyone should get it. It's somewhere in the medical middle. And again, that's just, you know, hypothetically speaking from what I've seen on other issues. Uh, and this is something that, again, we've become so divided over and it really doesn't make sense to me why people are so divided over it. Um, just to start working in some statistics, so as of right now, I'm looking at the VAERS data. You can get this on the CDC website. And for those listening, we actually are putting together a nice document of everything that we're gonna reference today for you. So you can literally check the citations, you can go to the links and you can double check us on everything because we live in a day and age where you can't just trust everything that you hear it's helpful to go and do your own research and think for yourself. So although we're working in Sierra's account of what happened and multiple studies and trials and data, it helps to see those numbers and see those statistics and the uh, conclusions to different uh, trials and studies for yourself. So the VAERS data, this is the vaccine adverse event reporting system that the CDC has put in place. Uh, so as of today, this is... Can I, can I just jump in real fast? The yep. VAIR system is a self-report system, as is in the name, but it's been around far, far uh, before COVID vaccination. I mean, this, I believe, was it the 90s? I want to say the 90s, 93, something like that, 94. So this system has been in place for a long time. It's just been used quite a bit more this year. Um, and just on this note, uh, as I jump in here, sorry, Dan, but I, I just want to make it clear because... 
Um, I mean, you and I are very familiar with one another, so we, we know kind of how each other thinks, but I, I just want to let your audience know, at least for me, I just want to make this clear that I'm not against um, all vaccination. Um, in fact, I've received every single one ever recommended by healthcare. Um, this is about being, for me, being pro-choice into any, anything related to your body, right? Like nobody should be forced into any sort of decision. So I, you know, this is a platform for us to be like, Hey, here's what we know. We're going to give you the references for it. And, uh, I just encourage other digging for people. I think right. it's, that's, that's it's definitely key. the big takeaway is do what you feel is best for you. you mm-hmm. Absolutely. Make sure you are kind of conscious enough to do your own research and do your own data. Because as I mentioned before, it's difficult to trust anything someone says anymore. And that's why we are going out of our way to provide you with everything that we look at, because uh, as we said, you know, you need to become your own best resource. You need to do your own research. You need to have that confidence that whatever decision you decide to make, you are making the right decision for yourself and that you've backed it with enough expert opinion, enough research, enough references that you feel comfortable making that decision. Uh, so it's more of a encouragement to uh, not go into something blindly, I guess we'll say. Absolutely. Right. And it's, we're looking at data here. We're attempting to look at data, I should say. Uh, and when it comes to data, one of the things that really stood out to me about the shots is they're attempting, it seems, to uh, hide the uh, release of the raw data and the trials uh, to the public for what is it 55 years now is that correct I think think yeah 55 years I believe we'll be in our 70s if we're still here Um, (laughs) which if uh, I don't know if many people know this the trials for the Pfizer I was really looked into the Pfizer in itself and those trials as that was the one that was given to me those trials don't end until march of 2024 so everything up to this point is actually data collection for them um to see how how it goes um traditionally when a treatment or drug is put on the market and there's x amount of adverse events i believe they don't get above like 50 they'll take it off market and do studies and so the fact that there have been this many adverse events um reported you know in close to almost what you said over 700,000 as of today or a couple days ago. Um, that's huge. And if that's underreported, right, why are we still um, promoting such a treatment? Maybe it's still out there, but I think it's actively promoted um, without some of this other information that we're, you know, pointing out. So uh, as to why it's hard to find, that's a question that, you know, your audience could try to answer for themselves. You and I have our own thoughts, but um I just want people to know it exists, right? This information is out there. There are two, three sides to every everything, every story. Um, and there's no one size fits all treatment for anything, right? Not every single treatment is going to work for every single body. So we should maybe look into, I don't think any this treatment should be forced on anybody. Um, and we'll make it clear it is not a treatment. Uh, the vaccine is not a treatment for COVID. And that's been made very clear by uh, medical professionals, the CDC, right? It's just supposed to lessen the symptoms of the actual disease. So I like the point that you made that there's no one size fits all approach to medicine, right? So in physical therapy terms, we don't take every patient that comes in with low back pain and give them the exact same exercises, the same sets, the same reps, the same progression. 
uh, we have to individualize it to them. And that's true across everything, right? If you go to the doctor and you get prescribed a pharmaceutical drug, they don't start everyone at the highest dose possible for that. They also don't start everyone at the lowest dose possible. They look right. at a lot of different factors to determine what is best for you. Uh, and to the best of my knowledge, all of the COVID shots for adults are the same dose given to everyone, uh, which to me, it, it just makes me question things because I've seen people over the age of 18 who are, you know, 110 pounds. And then there's me who's 185 pounds and six to 7% body fat. And then there's other individuals who are three to 400 or more pounds and their BMI is in the fifties and sixties. Mm -hmm. And I know they exist because I've treated them in clinic and I've worked with them before. Uh, so it's hard to, you're going to have a very hard time to convince me that every single person's body is going to process this specific dose of a specific thing, the exact same way. When we're talking about, you know, four times the person in some cases or drastically different uh, breakdowns of body composition. Uh, the body processes things so differently. Uh, and I'll reference as well, when I was doing research for uh, Dr. Daniel Clark, we published research on the uh, hepatitis B virus in the Journal of Virology in 2020. Uh, and when we were doing that, one of the things that stuck out to me as I was learning about viruses is they replicate in adipose tissue. So if you have increased um, body fat compared to someone who has lower body fat, you will carry a higher viral load uh, mm -hmm. due to the ability of the virus to replicate and your overall inflammation. Uh, viruses have a tendency to hijack your cellular systems in order to replicate themselves. That's how they work. Uh, and all these things just kind of compounded really lead me to question why we're using a one-size-fits-all approach when we've never used that in the past with great success, with the exception, as far as I know, of the polio vaccine. I believe that was very effective. <laughs> Lots of research running that one before, though, right? <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I think um, we need to bring up um, a case for natural immunity as well. Um, I think there, there are some people that will do well with uh, the vaccination if it's working for them. And, and for all the people that have taken it and not had an adverse event, I am so happy for you, truly. I don't wish this on anybody at all. Um, it's not only hard physically, but emotionally, mentally. We already talked about some of the uh, social factors. Um, however, it's important to, I'll have to link the study as well. The, uh, it's pretty, pretty well known now, the Israeli study about how natural immunity is 27 times more potent and powerful against the COVID um, disease over vaccination. And, um, you know, the question brings up, well, if we have this vaccine, you know, and, and the continual six month boosters, right? Like at, to what point are you, you know, hopefully just going to have natural immunity <laughs> instead of needing to continue to have this thing over and over and over again. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I like that we touched on the no sides fits all, you know, no treatment there's not one thing for everybody. Um, and I think, you know, you and I are very into like general health, right? So there's all sorts of other things that can keep you healthy, right? You mentioned adipose tissue. We can keep body fat off of us. We can exercise. Um, we can eat healthy things. You can consume certain vitamins. Those are all things I'm doing as actually for treatment to my, um, 
my reaction itself. So, right. And these are things too that are brought up not just by people like you and I, but also some of the leading doctors and researchers in the world. Uh, one of the first ones I came across was Peter Doshi, who's one of the editors for the British Medical Journal. Uh, and he published a series of opinion pieces. And I think it's important to bring that up that these were opinion pieces published on the British Medical Journal blog. Uh, but again, he's one of the editors for the BMJ. And he makes the argument that the current uh, trials and data for the vaccines being effective uh, is flawed. And he wanted to see the full data. And he received a lot of backlash from what I understand for publishing this. Um, essentially, he kind of looked at what we knew about the studies uh, and said that current trials aren't designed to tell us whether or not the COVID vaccines will or will not save lives. And he goes into the whole mechanism and breakdown as to why that is. Um, and he talks about how in the studies they were evaluating mild versus uh, mild as opposed to severe uh, disease. Uh, they didn't look at the uh, ability to prevent transmission of COVID-19 uh, amongst many other things. Uh, not enrolling uh, the elderly in the studies, um, mm -hmm. underrepresenting minorities, which tends to be a commonality amongst most research and so on. So there's a lot of different things that were pointed out by someone who has much more uh, credentials than someone like myself. I would say uh, Dr. Robert Malone is also an awesome resource as well. He's actually the inventor of uh, mRNA vaccines and, and he was the one um, that's kind of stepped down and, and started to talk about um, what these can do to our body considering he helped make them. Um, so I think he's an awesome resource as well. Yeah, you can't get much better than the guy who made them. Yeah, uh, that, should, yeah. that should say a lot right there. Um, yes, exactly. And from what I know, uh, the pharmaceutical companies are exempt from liability as well, correct? That's correct. Isn't that interesting? So to me, here's how I process that. And I'll use my, uh, it's becoming a famous metaphor at this point, uh, because I explain it to people all the time. Uh, just imagine for a second that you're Elon Musk, you are the head of Tesla, and all of a sudden the government comes to you and say, hey, uh, you know, we need to uh, mandate all uh, businesses over 100 employees, all of their employees will need to buy a Tesla car because the electric car is better for the environment and we need to slow down climate change. But you are not liable. Uh, for any of the damages or any of the injuries that result from those cars. And then maybe a little while later, uh, the social media companies come to you and they say something similar. They say, hey, you know, we, we heard that everyone's going to need to own a Tesla and drive a Tesla. So we're going to help you out and we're going to delete or flag any negative comments or negative things about your product and we'll you know put a link on it that says you know for more information visit this government website and so on <laughs> if you're the head of you know tesla if you're elon musk do you look at that and say wow i really need to go down there to the production line and make sure every car 
is up to the highest standard possible and it's the safest, it's the nicest, it's got all the bells and whistles and they're all free of air. Do you do that? Or do you say, wow, I need to pump out like a hundred million or more of these things really quick. I just need to get the job done because the repercussions won't impact me. Uh, mm -hmm. And I, I don't know what choice you would make. I know what choice I would make, but that's my hypothetical question to people is what would you do if you were in their shoes? Would you choose to protect people or would you choose to uh, focus on the profit? Uh, and that's that's kind of my little metaphor to explain the situation to people. I like it. I, I think it's a helpful metaphor to put it into simple terms that takes any sort of morality or politics out of the question. Because at the end of the day, you and I, you know, we're having just a normal conversation and this is not politically or morally driven, right? We're trying to base it off of factual <laughs> evidence that you and I have uh, found that is hard to find. And I love the way you um, created an analogy there for why people may not be finding this information. And I, I wanna bring up another side to why people uh, may not be finding out this information. Um, I, you know, not only are one are people who are sharing, including myself when I post actual studies, you know, on my Instagram stories, whatever these posts are flagged, they are taken down and they're, and a lot of the times accounts are banned from social media. And so I just want people to maybe wonder why is that? Why all of a sudden are we, are we, you know, censoring such information? If it is information, shouldn't we be able to see both sides, no matter what it is? Um, and then too, I, I think a lot of people who do have the information because of censorship are fearful of being hated, being called a liar, perceived as somebody who doesn't care about the health of others, you know, perceived as a grandma killer, so to, so to yeah, <laughs> quote somebody earlier this year, um, or not doing their part. Just because somebody is not talking about this doesn't mean they, one, don't know, or two, are not experiencing it. So I urge people, you know, do we hear the do your research, trust the science. I want to also mention that science is fluid, right? It's changing. Um, there, this may have been super helpful at the very beginning from what we knew, from what I knew back in January and February of 2021. This is what I knew. And I wanted to get the shot at that point. Um, what I know now, I'm trying to encourage people to look into it more, take my experience and the experience of others and the data we now have months and months later, after a lot of people receiving this, maybe we reconsider. Science is always changing. And so the hot phrase, trust the science, will then start keeping up to date with it and, and not just things that support your argument. Right. And there has to be science data available, right? If there's no data, then you have nothing to base your argument off of. And it's been interesting to me how the face of the American hero has changed over the past three to five years. Uh, when I was growing up, the American hero was a brave man or woman who was in a uh, service uniform. Uh, and then it was a frontline healthcare worker uh, who was facing the pandemic head on with you know, undersupplied personal protective equipment and no vaccine or any other uh, preventative uh, man mechanism at, in play at the time. Uh, and now it seems like we're calling the hero the person who stays at home, wears a mask, avoids people and gets a shot um, or two shots or three shots. Uh, and it's been interesting to me how the media and just society in general has really changed the picture of who we look at as, you know, quote unquote, the good guy, uh, so to speak. Um, I, I just really I, I don't really know what it is about that, but something about that really rubs me the wrong way. 
Absolutely. I think that's huge that you bring that up. Um, even with you just talking, my automatic instinct that's developed over the last year was you bringing up this woman who's, who's choosing not to vaccinate her children. That is her choice. And in my head, I'm like, well, that's not me. I'm not, I'm not anti-vax because right now, you know, saying, oh, you're not going to vaccinate your children. We've now created this narrative where that person is evil inherently now evil is associated with them. And I'd like to think that you and I are both good people with other people's best interests in mind. All we want to do is help others. Like that is why I, I know you and I both think we were put on this planet is to give as much information and service to people that we can. That's why we are going to be doctors of physical therapy. Um, and so to have that, you know, negative connotation put so associated with you is not something is something you want to avoid just because I choose not to do something with my body should not have any association with what kind of person I am. And that's, I've talked with you at length about this, you know, that's, we should really start to stop dividing ourselves, like you said, and start to focus on that unification. We are better together in this. And nobody wants this pandemic thing to keep going on. Nobody wants COVID around. We all want some sort of solution or treatment. There won't be one, there will be many. It is a multifaceted disease. Um, and we need to work together to create a solution, not only against the disease, but against those who have been hurt up to this point. Um, so I love that you bring that up. Definitely. And I like how you mentioned uh, the different options to manage the disease because to me anyways, it seems like people are viewing the vaccine as the one and only option. And I understand that that's what certain uh, are uh, saying that the vaccine is the end all be all answer and everyone needs to get it. Uh, but there's other diseases out there that cause you know infections and illness that we don't have vaccines for like the common cold, for example. And there's people who go through the winter and never get a cold. There's other people who get hospitalized because they get the cold. And one of the things I like to look at, as I mentioned before, is the why, right? So in physical therapy, why is this person here right now? What brings them to me? I want to get to that why. And I believe we should do the same in health. So what is it that causes one person to get the cold and have no symptoms whatsoever versus someone else who gets the cold and ends up in the hospital or the flu? If one person doesn't get the flu shot and they get the flu and they don't have any symptoms or they don't really experience any you know, change in their day-to-day -day life versus someone else who dies from the flu, what's the difference there? And a lot of the underlying health variables play into that. You mentioned before that COVID uh, is a disease of inflammation. Uh, it kind of, I, I like to use a metaphor for this as well. It's kind of like trying to hit the fly on the wall in your living room but you're swinging a sledgehammer instead of a fly swatter, right? In the process of you trying to destroy whatever it is that's invaded your house, so to speak, you're going to do a little damage to your own property in the process. That's just how it works. But if you have lower inflammation levels, if you have a overall healthier individual, your aim is going to be a lot better when you try and swing that thing, as opposed to someone who has a high state of inflammation, a high state of other things going on. So with that metaphor, kind of going with that for a second, say you're in that living room, fly on the wall situation, 
but now you've got 10 other people who are yelling and screaming and shouting the whole time. You got music blasting, the TV's on, you got the strobe lights going. Uh, you know, maybe you've had five or six drinks, just metaphorically speaking here. There's a lot of other things that are going to go on that are going to impact your ability to aim and hit that fly on the wall, as opposed to someone who has nothing else going on. Uh, and that's how the inflammation plays in. The more of it you have, the harder it is for your body to uh, attack what it needs to attack. And we mentioned before, obesity is a, is a condition that can cause systemic inflammation. Um, diabetes plays a role in systemic inflammation. There's a lot of other conditions that basically elevate your inflammation level throughout the body. And there's certain things you can do to reduce your inflammation. Uh, exercise, prolonged exercise for a long period of time uh, chronically will reduce your inflammation level. Acutely increases it, right? You just damaged your muscles. You exercised. Uh, they kind of resemble Swiss cheese after you're done, at least if you're going as hard as Sierra does in the gym. Uh, so you need to recover from that. But after you recover, you're in a better state of health because of that. Um, increasing your overall metabolic health, whether that be avoiding blue light at night, increasing your red light exposure at night, um, just being active and moving around, avoiding foods that are high in sugar, avoiding, avoiding artificial ingredients, um, avoiding all the different things that we talked about in the episode with Tim James uh, back in December, where we literally went through all the different chemicals that hide in your food, uh, such as polyethylene glycol, uh, and how to avoid them, right? So if you can increase your overall state of health, you're going to increase your body's ability to fight off infection naturally. And I think that's one of the key things that we kind of miss in this whole thing. Uh, and I've not seen anyone discussing the research behind uh, the relation between adipose tissue and vaccine effectiveness, because uh, while I haven't seen any data with the COVID shot, other vaccines uh, report reduced effectiveness in individuals with higher body fat percentage. And you think that might motivate someone to work out a little bit more. Um, so that's my little rant on just no, taking care it. of yourself, but it's something that no one is talking about. And I really think we need to, if not for the physical health reason, then at least for the mental health reason, because the rates of suicide, depression, anxiety, overdose have gone up far too much over the past 22 months. And we need to do something to stop that cycle because clearly sitting around and doing nothing has led us nowhere. Well, and yeah, like you know, even 10 minutes outside, take a little walk can do wonders for you. You know, everyone's working from home now. It's it's detrimental, like you said, to physical and, and mental health. And I loved your fly on the wall uh, analogy. Thank you for that. <laughs> Gave me a little, little laugh today. The unknown is very scary. And I'd say it's the hardest part for, you know, not only me, and this is way bigger than me, but the hundreds of thousands of people, real people who have been affected by this, their lives are turned upside down They're It's not only their lives, it's the lives of their friends, family, children um, that are also turned upside down by this, you know, with the financial and physical and meant emotional consequences. And so, I mean, I couldn't have said it better than you. Thank you for your compassion um, in this. It's, obviously emotional for some people who have been affected very personally. And I think that's why it's so important to share the more that people share, the more, especially the more I've shared, the more others are sharing and, and they say, Oh, you're so brave. And I, I didn't feel brave. I just felt like I had to say something and to give anybody else the courage to say something too. If you feel like you 
are also in this same boat and you feel like you or someone you know has been injured and you don't know research resources are there out there and we're trying to provide them to you i'm an open book please reach out to me um you are important and your life does matter and this experience is real and nobody can discount that and take it away from you um and so I, I appreciate you like opening up this platform for people to have a voice, me to have a voice and hopefully others, even if it just one person is helped by this, it's been more than enough of an experience. So thank you. Of course. And again, everything that we've just said and offered, uh, there's some all kinds of research articles and references that we're providing in the description below. You can click on that. Um, neither of us, as we've already mentioned, neither of us are medical professionals uh, yet. We, we will have the doctor title after or before our name soon. Uh, couple so, months. Couple yeah, months. We'll be done. None of this is intended to replace <laughs> medical advice, and none of this is intended to tell you what to do. This is not a go get it. This is not a don't get it. This is a here's what's going on that isn't being discussed. And here's things that you should look at and listen to and look into for yourself because knowledge is power. And the more knowledge you have on a situation, the more informed decision you can make. And maybe you listen to this, you do your research and you decide to go get a shot or two shots or a booster or a fifth booster or whatever. Maybe you decide that this isn't for me and I don't want to do it. Maybe you decide that, you know what, I'm just going to go with some third alternative option. I think it was Aaron Rodgers that was uh, had a doctor who was kind of giving him a series of pharmacological uh, interventions to prevent the disease, but it was kind of like in place of a vaccine. I don't know the full story there, uh, but really there should not be a wrong answer with this. Whatever you feel is best for you and your family and your friends should be what you have the ability and freedom to do. And you should not have your life interrupted by that. Sierra, do you have any other closing thoughts or closing remarks that you wanna share? Um, I think we've covered it. Again, just giving people a voice if they need anything, we can link uh, my info, your info. I really encourage them to reach out. I've had a lot of people reach out to me since I've shared my story on social media. and just giving, you know, people an outlet. A lot of people are not as lucky as I am to, you know, have friends and family back them. And it leads to a lot of turmoil physically and emotionally, and that it does not do anything to help with the healing process. So please feel free to reach out. I mean that sincerely. Um, and continue to just have an open mind with everyone you encounter. You'd never know what somebody's going through in any facet of life. And this is included in that. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for being the brave person that you are and for speaking out from the get-go on this through all the different platforms that you've been on from Instagram to uh, this new messaging app that you got me on the other day, uh, <laughs> Telegram. Uh, I know you're doing your part and standing up for what you feel is right. And uh, we need more people like you out there, Sierra. Oh, thank you so much. It, it means the world um, to feel recognized because for a while people can feel pretty alone. So I, I appreciate you, you know, not only for having me on, but for listening to me the entire time. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Brown Body Health and Fitness Podcast. If you liked this episode, please make sure to share it with a friend, subscribe so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes, and leave a review. 
This way we can spread knowledge and motivation and help reach more people. Thank you again for listening and I'll see you next time.